Hello everyone and welcome to Growing Trends. Tonight, Anne and I are interviewing Mel Bartholomew. Mel is an engineer who developed the square foot gardening system. This is the first in a series of interviews with Mel as he explains how he developed this amazing vegetable growing system. today i'm fine well okay now it's clear there you go modern technology for you so welcome to growing trends all right so welcome to the show we're really so glad to be speaking with you we've been looking forward to this for a long time (laughs) yes but now we're finally together finally yes so I think it'd be great if you just start sharing about your life and about your journey, Mel. You've made some incredible contributions to to horticulture and magnificent ideas, but I think it's always fascinating to start at the you know the beginning, which I guess for you was when you were around 40 years old, correct? Yes, uh, actually, part of um, part of trying to understand, I guess, my uh, goals in life and personality was when I was about four or five. I always wanted to see how things worked. One day, without asking permission, I took my father's alarm clock apart. And I couldn't put it back together again. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> what? I, I got in real trouble from that, but I realized that I want to know how things work. That led into my desire to be an engineer and to design things. And so I always knew I wanted to be an engineer. So I went to Georgia Tech, got a degree in civil engineering, and started my career. Many interesting experiences as an engineer, and got married and with the family and so forth. We had three children. And from Georgia, I went to Maryland for my first job for year before I went in the Army for three years. And the Army, I went from Texas, Oklahoma to Germany. So that entailed a lot of uh, travel, but also more exciting experiences. But I decided I wanted to get back to my engineering career. So went back east. I grew up in a couple of places. I started out in Buffalo. I was born in Buffalo, New York. Then my family moved to Southern California in Orange County. And then they moved back to New Jersey in Bergen County. So I spent wow, my high school that, years you, in New Jersey. You were all over the entire country. Yes, yep. Uh, and of course, down to Georgia for college, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, to Maryland in the Army. Went back to New Jersey, and that's where I went back to my engineering career. Got a job with consulting engineering firm, doing just kind of work I like. Spent a year on construction, then went in the design end of it. Changed uh, employers and went to another one that specialized in sanitation, which is anything that's liquid, water of any kind, uh, sewage, stormwater, anything that goes in a pipe, we designed. And I ended up doing college campuses and large industrial centers. And we worked with an architect who would get the main job and they would design and lay out all the buildings. And our job was to put in all the utilities. But we only did the sanitary utilities. The architect would hire a mechanical engineering firm to do the 
heat and the steam and the hot water, and then an electrical engineering firm to do all the different types of electrical and communications. And went on and on. We had so many different consulting firms that it sometimes got very confusing. And we had to have a meeting once once a week in New York City, so that was a big travel. And, and then we all had to compare. Where's your pipe and where's my pipe? And mine is banging in the air, so we'll have to move. And some of the systems flow by gravity, so they can't move. Others can go up and down or around. It seemed like an awful chore to design what's underground. And, of course, you realize that because all you see is the ground, the pavement, the sidewalk. You don't see everything that's underneath there. I began to think there must be a better way to do all this. And I went to my boss and told him my idea of how we could put in, in our own company, the different trades of engineering, like why can't we have a mechanical engineer and an electrical engineer and a civil engineer and a landscaper all within one company? His answer was, and this is going to be the theme for the rest of my life, he said, Mel, my father's been <laughs> running it the way I run it now, and I'm running it the way I'm running it now, and I don't think we're going to change. You have a lot of good ideas, but we're not going to change. So that weekend, we went in to see a play on Broadway, and I know you recognize this play. It was Barbara Streisand in Funny Girl. And we oh, got I love that right show. Up. Isn't that yes, wonderful? Don't tell and me not to, what's that song, Don't Rain on My Parade? That's it. And you've got the exact same thing. We had front row seats because we booked them a year ahead of time. Oh, and when, Beautiful. When she sang that song, Don't Rain on My Parade, and I stood up and I said, that's it, that's it. They're raining on my parade. <laughs> and I looked at the audience, I threw up my hands, and that's when I said, that's it. And that Monday morning, I went in and resigned, started wow. my own company. Awesome. And Don't you love that? Out, the most crazy thing will be the, the just the, the seed gets planted, and then all of a sudden it just comes out of the ground, and you can't do anything but run with it. You've got to. That's awesome. So that's how that's what got you started into your own business, which eventually, as a problem solver, then that's what yes, uh, that was that was a job, and I, I was able to develop some very good clients. One was the state of New York, and I started designing their campuses, and they mm-hmm. had a brand new campus out in Long Island, New York, the Stony Brook campus. It was brand new; it was just woods, and so I was named the chief. Um, utilities designer for that campus. So mm-hmm. I had started my company with an electrical, mechanical, and all the things I mentioned before. So instead of having to go into New York and do a kind of a where are you and where are we and how can we make this work, we had a drafting room and they just went from table to table. So it proved very successful and very simple. As a result, yeah. was a very profitable. Became um, a millionaire when I was 37 years old from engineering, and I thought no other engineers ever become a millionaire. They all work hard, right. brilliant, but they never get rich. So uh, right. this proved very successful. But then it came a point 
when I turn 40, you know, when a man turns 40, he starts thinking, what have I accomplished? What am I going to do? What's, what's the reason for my life? I took a year off for a sabbatical. I asked that question, what's next with my engineering company? The answer, of course, was, well, you just grow bigger. You keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought, there's no challenge to just getting bigger. And right. so I decided to sell the company and retire. It's 42 when I retired. We always liked the water, and we found a home on the water. We moved from New Jersey to Long Island, and the kids were all in college and in prep school then. So we kind of took up a new life. My wife redesigned the house and did all that. I redesigned the uh, grounds and did all the landscaping. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a garden? Uh, that would be a hobby that might be very interesting. So I decided to take some classes and went, went, to, uh, went to them. And I began to ask the questions. Why I want a vegetable garden? Why do we put in a huge garden and rototill it all up? And you know, when you're rototilling, what are you doing? You're walking all over again, packing it down. That didn't make sense. And then they told me, well, you lay out, you get your soil all ready, and then you lay out your, in rows. You're going to plant your crops in rows. And they said the rows are three feet apart. And I said, well, crops are how far apart in the row? Well, it depends how big they are. They can be three inches apart or six inches or a foot. I said, then why does the next row have to be three feet away? It's kind of wasteful. By the way, I'm a very frugal person, <laughs> so I, I hate to waste anything at all. And they said, You're well, not gonna waste that's, any so space. Can, that's so you can get in and hold the weeds now. And I said, I don't uh, want to hold weeds. That sounds like a lot of work. There's something wrong with this <laughs> single row method. And they said, well, there's a lot of work to gardening and all the digging you have to do and, and the crops and, and all that kind of stuff. And besides, mm. it's very big. So I did a survey. I went around the neighborhood, and I looked at people's gardens, and they were all way out back. They weren't next to the right. house. They were way out back. I found out why. You know why that is? Well, probably because they were kind of unsightly. The codes. That's oh, right. Codes? Number one, they're spacey. Number two, by the end of summer, they're so filled with weeds that you don't want yeah. to be near them, and you don't want to see them from the house. So they locate yeah. them out back. I said, that, that doesn't make sense either. So yeah. I got all my questions together about why the rows apart. And the other thing is you plant a whole packet of seeds in one row, and then you go to the next row, and you get a different kind of vegetable and plant another packet of seeds. But then right. you have to go back and thin them out. And I thought, that seems like a terrible waste. So I took all these questions around, the, and I sought out people that write books about gardening, teach gardening, went to universities, found government people that are dealing in agriculture. And I asked them every question I had on my list. And you know something? I got the same answer from Maine to California. You know what that answer was? That's just the way we do it? That's the way we've always done it. And I yeah. said, that's, that's no reason. You don't tell an engineer that you do something because that's the way we've always done it. And besides right. being an engineer, I'd be becoming an efficiency expert. And so those answers weren't very good. And I thought, I'm going to go home and invent a new way to garden. So I did. So really, really down hard. You're a, bit of a, you're a bit of a rebel, Mel. That's what it is. <laughs> well, 
That may <laughs> be true, good. and I guess uh, some, some senses I'm a little hard to get along with because I want to do the simplest, easiest method, not, right. not just because that's the way we've always done it. So right. I, I just put a step to go into the, each individual, but it ended up being very simple. I took each one of the questions, and I solved that one by doing something a little different, and the whole thing ended up with, you reach into your garden, you don't walk on the soil, and you can reach in two feet. I started a community garden. I'd go around and measure everyone's steps and how mm-hmm. far they could reach in. And it turned out everyone could reach in two feet, 24 inches. Little old ladies to big husky guys. And so if you can reach in two feet and you walk all the way around your garden, that ends up being a four by four. And that became the mm-hmm. basic size of a square foot garden. Then I thought to keep from planting too much all at once, we'll divide this four by four up into individual square feet. And to define that, I put in a grid, made a grid out of sticks of wood. That showed me every single square foot. And if you remember your arithmetic, a four by four gives you 16 square feet. And in them, in those square feet, I wanted to plant a different crop. So I would put in lettuce in one, pepper in another one, and carrots in another one. And that would be so I don't overplant too much. Because there's one thing that no one ever seemed to ask a question. No one had an answer. If you plant a whole row of crops, like 20 feet of carrots, when are they all going to come to harvest? All at once. Same time. Yeah, all at once, yeah. And then they're all wasteful. Now, if you're a farmer, that's good. But if you're a homeowner, you don't want that much. So you have to stagger your planting so you can have a staggered yeah. harvest. And apparently, right. no one's really thought of all these things before. It seems like what the government has done was said, well, we're good at farming. Farming is single-row gardening, and you need to get the tractor in, so we need those three-foot-wide rows and paths. It's good enough for the homeowner. Back when I was uh, just a a little tight, was World War II. I remember my parents having victory gardens, and that was a victory garden, a single-row garden, and the government promoted it. And you know something? Today, they're still teaching single-row gardening. Yeah. And yeah, I'm here to tell you true. it's a waste, terrible waste, and it's inefficient, and it's harmful to the environment. It takes too much water, too much time, too much space. And so square foot gardening ended up solving all of those problems. Well, then everyone in my community garden said, gee, you should write a book, Mel. I said, well, I enjoyed writing as an engineer. So, so I went and found a publisher, wrote the book, and got it. And that came in 1981, my first book by Rodale Press, people that do organic gardening. And then I was able with interviews, being in different places, to be able to talk about it and distribute the word all around the country. And I ended up with my own TV show. I had been on several PBS stations, and they had a nice response. And finally, one of them said, hey, could we come out to your garden? This was out in Long Island. Could we come out to your garden and film? And we'll put a minute of Mel's garden on the news every night. So they did, and that turned out popular. And then they said, why don't we do a whole 30-minute show? Would you like to do that? And by then, I was hooked on doing TV. It was so much fun. So I said yes, and we now had a TV show. And it turns out we were able to convince most of radio TV stations in New York 
to take it up, and then pretty soon it spread all through the whole country. So I had my own TV show for five years on PBS, and it ended up being on every single station in the country. And got to and, be that and what way. Time, when are we talking about, what are the years that we're talking about for that, Mel? When were you on the air? I, I wrote the book in 81, and the TV show started the same year, and it was on until 85. And then uh, I took it off the air, and it went back on the Discovery Network in 86, and the Learning Channel in 87. So there's, those were the years of uh, TV. And then mm-hmm. I retired again. It was a lot of work, and a couple things happened that made me want to retire. So I retired mm-hmm. again when I was, how old now? Let's see, 42, 50, close to 50. But then I thought, you know, if this is so easy to garden with square foot gardening, you can grow so much in such a small area that this could have implications worldwide. So I started mm-hmm. a nonprofit foundation, the Square Foot Gardening Foundation, and I started taking it all over the world. And that mm-hmm. turned out to be another whole career of travel and working with other organizations. So that's did you kind find of the that, background that it was, of gardening. Did you find that um, when you did take it worldwide that the reception was pretty immediate? Were people eager? Did they understand? Did they grasp what you were trying to communicate? Well, it turned out some of the attributes of square foot gardening were so important to make worldwide gardening very easy. For example, it takes only 20% of the space for the same harvest as a single row garden. That means every family would have room for it. And then Mm -hmm. What I did was we, I, I designed the garden, a four-by-four, four, as a box. It had wood sides, and if you wanted to raise it up, it could have a plywood bottom. Well, that means you could lift it up and put it on a tabletop, and now suddenly someone in a wheelchair could garden. Mm-hmm. Or if you put it up a little higher in a table, then someone on a walker could And and that means anyone with a handicap. And we also filled it with six inches of perfect soil. There was so much that I experimented with of your existing soil. And the existing soil all over the world is really very poor for growing crops. So Mm -hmm. I thought, why try to keep improving your existing soil? Let's just start with perfect soil, like a potting soil. And I went to the garden industry, and I said, well, what do you use when you uh, fill big pots? We use a potting soil. I said, you don't dig up your existing ground and put it in a window box? They said, no, that would be stupid. And I said, but that's what people do in their garden. They try and improve their existing soil, and it's a lot of work. So since we've reduced the size of the garden to only 20%, we could now fill our four-by-four box with a perfect soil, and we're not going to dig up our ground. Now, I've got another question for you. If you don't have to dig up your existing soil, what tools do you not need? 
And you well, you don't need a big sho- a rototiller, and you don't need, yep. yeah, I mean, you probably still need a trowel or a shovel of some kind, but you don't need a lot of electric, big power equipment. Exactly, and those tools point. are expensive, they're large, mm-hmm. they're heavy, and we don't need mm-hmm. them. So right. see what advantages we have there. Now, anyone, even a child, could garden that doesn't have the strength, or, again, going back to elderly, People don't have that much strength to go out in the garden. They have to give up gardening after a certain age. But now they can garden again. Well, I also experimented with different depths of soil. In the first book that came out, the one in 1981, you dig down and improve your soil. And you mix in. You dig down six inches and mix in six inches of ingredients that are easy to get but are good for growing plants. So you had 12 inches of perfect soil. Put that back in your six-inch hole, and you have to put a box around it, a six-inch box. So then I experimented with just six inches of perfect soil, and I found out, Anne, that plants, all plants, would grow better in six inches of perfect soil than in 12 inches of improved soil. So why would you want to improve your soil in 12 inches? Well, Forget about yeah, your existing part, soil. Part of the problem now there is just the drainage, around the world. Yeah, part and, of the problem would the, be drainage, yeah. Yep. And, and so your well, six inches is much better. But what happens once the um, soil's been used a few times? Because I've built quite a few roof gardens using a similar sort of mix of compost, um, peat, perlite, or vermiculite, or something like that. Six inches of perfect soil is two inches of peat moss, a good basis for any soil mix, and that holds a lot of water. And uh, then there's two inches of vermiculite. We use a coarse variety of vermiculite. Vermiculite holds a ton of water, but it also drains. It also allows air to go through it. So we now have a soil that can breathe, which is very important for plants. Then the most important is two inches of compost. Now, compost is nature's fertilizer. Plants grow very well in compost. And I experimented with all different kinds of compost, and I found that a blended compost made from at least five different sources is the absolute best. The more sources, the better it is. So those six inches, two inches each of peat moss, vermiculite, and compost formed a basic six inches of soil. And I found hey, everything grows. Yes. How, how frequently do you have to replace or enrich that compost? Does, when does it kind of get all the nutrition kind of out of it, like Chris was saying? How, how often yep. do, have you found that that needs to be replenished? That's a good question, and normally in most gardens, you add fertilizer at the very beginning, a single row, and then sometimes you have to add more fertilizer to the crops as they grow. Well, I found out with such a rich soil of two inches of this compost, the plants get off to a very good start, and it lasts them through their whole season. If they're like radishes, if it's lettuce, they take a couple of months. If it's tomatoes, they took three to four to five months. And so what I did was I want to have an automatic replenishing of the compost. And so every time you replant 
a square foot. Mm -hmm. You add a trowelful of blended compost to it, mix it in. You never have to replant, replace the peat moss. You never have to replace the peat moss or the vermiculite. It's only the compost, and you put another trowelful in every time. So you're automatically, okay. as you're changing crops, you're always replenishing the nutrients in the mouse mix, and it's worked Perfect. out just perfectly. Okay, that so makes sense. What would happen if you were using already growing plugs? I guess you'd just halve the amount of compost because you'd have a plug with some in. Well, my goal now is to have a gardening system that is so easy and so simple that anyone can do it. And in fact, when we go into a, another country, quite often, I always have an interpreter because I don't speak any foreign languages, but you almost don't need them. You show them some pictures and they understand right away. And right. also, we're trying to convince people to go back to gardening. My goal is that every household Every family will have a garden, and it's so productive. Here's the results. You need a four-foot by four-foot, which is 16 square feet. That's 16 different crops. We'll feed one person a salad, a dinner-sized salad, every single day of the week. And the children, because they can't reach in as far, have a three-by-three-sized box. And that will feed them a salad every single day. So my goal now is to have every person have their own garden. Now, what if you well, live the in beauty of that, you know, it, it's a beautiful idea right now because, um, of course, with all the increased awareness of pesticides, insecticides, uh, GMOs, and all of that that is in our food sources, I think uh, the I think the culture of our country right now and perhaps the culture of the world is really ready to revisit, you know, the whole idea of square foot gardening. Good. Well, you're, you're going to be my cheerleader. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, yes. Absolutely. Well, it just now, makes sense, Mel, because, you know, I mean, I know for myself and my children and our lives, first of all, everybody's lives, at least I'm speaking for Americans, we live so fast-paced right? Yes. Busy, busy, busy. Run here, run there, run here, run there, run here, and there. I don't have time to waste, and nor would I want to waste time. So having a, a garden that's efficient, that can be close to my home, it could even be a version of it could be sitting on the deck of, my, of an apartment building. It could be, you know, so accessible, and it wouldn't take a lot of time if they do your method, because there isn't a lot of, as you said, hoeing and tilling and weeding and all of that, and it's, it's extremely efficient. So, and also being able to control insecticides, pesticides, fungicides, whatever it is that you would be putting on these crops for your consumption. It just makes sense, you know, for today that this is, it's, it's time for it to have a rebirth or a renaissance, so to speak, even though it hasn't been that long. I mean, it's only been 20 years ago, about, not even quite, since you went off the air, correct? Yep. Am I about right? Uh, so, I like that know, name, renaissance. Yeah, the that renaissance, good... yeah. Yes. That's yeah, a good renaissance name. would be a good thing. I mean, it's a, and that's the beauty of a renaissance. It's a rebirth. So, you know, it's, it's, I think that the generations that are coming up right now, the, you know, it's not baby boomers anymore. I don't even know what you call this generation. My kids is who are in their 20s, but this is something that appeals to them because in their busy lifestyles, they're still trying to be health conscious. And so, you know, this is exciting. It's, a, it's an exciting time for this to reemerge.
We will continue this fascinating interview with Mel Bartholomew next week. In the meantime, if you would like more information on Mel's square foot gardening books, please visit www.growtrends.com and look under the book reviews. This is Anne and Chris of Growing Trends.